think that's going to be a little bit of the theme here today. It's just a, a few things to come from the Scriptures to do with uh, confidence. So if we can actually look at a, a starting Scripture in Philippians chapter 1. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, the, the, the words of, of, of the great Apostle Paul. And we would think if anybody had confidence, it would be him. Now he made it clear to people, however, that his confidence didn't really come anymore once he was preaching the gospel, didn't come any more from the abilities that he had and the training and everything that he had as he was growing up. It actually came from his conviction and, and, and actual you know, absolute reliance on the Lord now in his life, and he tried to inspire other people along that, uh, that same way. Just what he had written here in verse 6, he said about being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That confidence that he who has begun a good work, and sometimes we might have the feeling, Lord, you might have begun it, but I don't know that I'm able to finish it. And we start to turn inwards a little bit like that, but the scriptures are saying, no, it's God that's able to finish it. He's not actually relying so much on us. He's relying on us exercising faith. He's relying on us doing what we can, engaging in the things of God as best we possibly can, and then he'll be able to bring us to perfection. If he was relying on us to do those things, we wouldn't even be off the starting blocks. Can you go back with me? Uh, Let's go to um, Isaiah chapter 6. Sometimes we have the feeling, well, it's okay for some people to be confident. Some people are just like, it seems to be, they're just born with confidence. There's some people who just got the gift of the gab and everything they touch, it just goes well. They don't really have to work as hard at it. <coughs> for others, they would be thinking, every single time that I'm brought, I've got to make a decision on something or everything that comes up in my life, I get these, I guess, uh, initial pangs of dread and the thought of how will I handle this. Now, whenever we get news to do with sickness and so on, I know that's the way that I feel about things. There's that initial pang of how will we handle this. There might be other types of challenges that come up in life as well and our initial reaction is sometimes not, oh, oh, I'll be up to that. I've done, I've done things before. That's all very, very good. Sometimes the things that we've been through and the time that it took for us to actually get our heads in a right space and to be thinking and, and, and then end up seeing that, well, actually we were taken care of. We actually have a dread about having to go through that whole process again about the time that it will take. And yet I might have been successful before. Will I be successful again? And we know that the Lord has called us to be servants of his and very many of the famous that we call now men of faith, they actually had a dread about the situation that they were called into. And Isaiah was one of those. And in chapter 6 here, we'll just start reading uh, in, in verse, uh, I don't know, we'll start from verse 1. It says, 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. He had this vision high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. He's talking about this, this amazing vision and situation. And above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, and twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. He saw heavenly things at this time, and cried one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And Isaiah's reaction was, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. I don't belong here. This place is too high for me. This is too amazing. I, 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 I don't fit into this situation. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And for a lot of people back in the Old Testament, and it could be for people in the New Testament as well, the whole thought the first time we're actually going to see the king is going to be at a time of judgment. And am I going to be ready for that? It says then, and the response from the heavenly places were, then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tong- with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth, and he said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, thine iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. And I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. There was an initial turn around, as it appears, in a confidence about, first, I don't belong in this uh, place, I don't fit, maybe fearful of a judgment to come. I'm not one who actually serves the, serves the Lord all that well to all of a sudden, well, now I am equipped. He didn't know what was going to happen for the rest of his life. He didn't know all of the persecutions and the oppositions and everything that was going to happen. But it was all of a sudden, well, I guess we'll just go and see what happens now. And maybe that was the only confidence that he had to start off with. Now, the stories through the Scriptures, they're all actually written as, as, as signposts to us and as, and as prompts and reassurances as well. And we know that there's the great assurance that comes that if anybody's lips have been touched, it's those people who have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're reminded here to say for every single one of us, Lord, when you ask who will go for us, I don't want to be one who turns around and says, not me, send somebody else. There are others who did that. Moses was one of those. He said, don't send me. He says, I can't speak. I'm I'm but a child. And the Lord had to sort of correct him on that. and said, well, I'll just ask you a bit of a question. Who actually made your lips and who made your mouth? And I'm going to give you words to speak. Through into the New Testament, there's, I'm also, I'm going to give you words to speak. That even when you deliver, deliver before kings, not the, the clever people of this world, I'm actually going to give you the things that you might be able to say. Let's just quickly go over to Second Kings. 
Just a couple of little stories just to do with people's confidence. Here's a story of the time of uh, uh, Elisha. And he had his servant there. And uh, the story goes that the, the king of Syria was, uh, uh, was, was warring against Israel. And he was going to come. And uh, he sent basically a whole army to go and search for Elisha. And the servant was there. And he went out one morning. And when he looked at what was surrounding, because he, he knew that his master, Elisha, wasn't always popular with everybody. And he went out one morning to go and get the water or whatever it was going to do. And he saw all this army around. Let's just start reading here. And, uh, just in verse, uh, 15. Oh, sorry. I didn't. Oh, sorry. Second Kings chapter six. Sorry. Second Kings chapter six and verse 15. And it says, and when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than be with them. And Elisha prayed, and he said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Now, I don't know whether Elijah always saw this vision around about him. Whether it was at some time earlier on, we know he saw Elijah taken away uh, uh, in, in a, a chariot of fire. He saw particular things. Or whether he mostly saw these things just by faith. And he didn't know what the Lord was going to do when he opened this young man's eyes. Elijah prayed, said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. was full of all of, all of these, uh, th- th- these things around about the place. I mean, we don't always, at our times of challenge, have our eyes open to all the promises and all the protections and the certainty of God's presence. And praise the Lord, he set it up so that we might be reminded and so that we might be encouraged and so that we might be reassured. And that's, of course, through the testimonies, through the word of God and through all the things that the Lord would do for us. Now, Jesus himself had to say to his disciples when they were looking at the situation that they were in, and he was able to say to them, Thinks thou that I could not now pray to my Father, and he would presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. An amazing situation. He wanted them to understand the vision that he had. So just to talk about our confidence, in just a moment we'll get to Kira to come up so that she can give a little testimony. Confidence is when we have you know, feelings of, of certainty or, or assurance or where there's, you know, there's just trust or reliance and those things sort of like as a, as a default position. And they're not always our default position unless we keep reminding ourselves that that's our default, unless we keep drawing ourselves close to the, close to the Lord. In different definitions, it talks about as a sense of being cool, calm, and at ease. 
I said, when I hear about sickness and so on in my own family or in other people's families or other circumstances that might come out of the challenges in life, there can be those initial pangs of dread that sort of rise up and you have to try to suppress and say, no, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. We try to remind ourselves of all of the promises and so on. An assurance that there's going to be a positive outcome that we'll be able to move past all those fears and anxieties, be able to move past the insecurity and the self-doubt and move past the uh, uh, the negative thoughts and all those sorts of things. I mean, the word confidence itself comes from from the from the Latin, a confidera means with trust, with trust. And there are a lot of things in the scriptures to say. You can have trust. I've made promises to you that I'm going to perform. We'll get Kira just to come up. Through her life, she had a lot of circumstances that meant that uh, she couldn't particularly have a, a lot of confidence in other people around about. And she had a bit of practice in her life of not being very confident in herself and, and just all sorts of other things. But she's had times where she had to look to the Lord. We'll let her just tell her a little story about that. Hello, I'm Kira. Um, I guess, uh, I I guess a long one and a complicated one at some times. Um, I came from a broken home. Um, my mother and grandmother are alcoholics and dabbled in drugs and things like that. So that was not very many, I suppose not many, many times I could trust on them to um, show me the right way to do things or I suppose even what life was supposed to be like. Um, but the Lord obviously had a plan for me and that was to come to know him. So um, when I was seven, um, that's when I started to learn about God when I was adopted by um, Chris and Mary Linardis who were coming to the fellowship and they took my brother and myself in and raised us as their own and showed us what family should be like and um, obviously God guided them to be able to raise us and um, show us what a good home was and the fellowship also did that as well um through obviously because of having that uh seeing a lot of things that I shouldn't have seen I did have a lot of mistrust towards people and the world and just my first thought was always how is this going to go wrong as more I suppose glass half empty as opposed to half full um um so that's not really a very good outlook on life, I guess. Um, but I was, I suppose, a watcher and just when I, when I was coming to the meetings, it was just looking and seeing that what people said they actually did and it wasn't saying one thing and doing a different thing. And it took me a very long time to, I suppose, gain that trust of people but also of the Lord. Um, but 
I did in the end, and he filled me with the Holy Spirit, and I spoke in tongues um, and was baptized by full immersion around about when I was 17. And um, that was just, I suppose, such a big piece for me to finally be able to say everything I'd been told or that I'd listened to or watched was true, and the Lord was going to work in my life, and he already had worked in my life. Um, probably even more than I knew at the time. And he has blessed me so much. Um, I am married and um, we've got a little boy now and that can be quite, I suppose, not having seen until coming to the Lord, not having seen what stable relationships and home life was, you kind of don't always have that base to go on, but the Lord just looking to the Lord and having prayer and things, that just helped us to build on that relationship and the securities. And, yeah, we've got our son and he's a miracle in himself and that's more testimonies. But just um, I also suffered with some anxiety and that kind of was, I suppose, a bit daunting in itself to try to want to be at things and get to things but, my body was working against me and I just couldn't. I was just almost like I was just stuck in this bubble where I couldn't leave. And then I got healed of that when we went to a Bali camp and I wasn't even expecting that. I was just, I can't, I went there totally nervous and I was just, I was just going to sit and watch. But somewhere along the line, the Lord healed me and I was able to get involved and really enjoy it and enjoy being with the brothers and sisters. And I can't praise the Lord enough. Amen. Yeah, amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> just on that last little point, I mean, that, that was what, that was one thing that was strongly in my mind when I asked Kira about that, is that she went along to that, uh, that camp in Bali. Now, for anybody who does have some anxiety to go into situations and, and circumstances that are unfamiliar to them, that is very, very, very challenging. But it's actually been the testimony of a, a, a lot of people, and I've got a little phrase written down here about the acts of confidence come before the feelings of confidence. To actually to go to that camp and think, how am I going to handle all of those things? How am I going to deal with that? How am I going to, if I've got to stand up, what if what if I'm in a meeting and I'm called to actually stand up and have to talk in front of everybody? Now, Kira is able to actually do that now, and I do remember about that little contrast before she went away on that camp to when she came back, and then the way that she was able to talk about things, to actually go and do it anyway, to go and be there. Sure, she had Jesse there for some security and so on, but still went there, and there was an opportunity for the Lord to give a blessing, and that's a wonderful thing. Can we go to uh, Proverbs chapter uh, 3? Now, we can go through many, many things through the Scriptures, and we're not going to turn to every single one of them uh, today. I'll quote a couple of things. In Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9, it says, It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. People get let down by other people. To put trust in the Lord is a higher level trust, that's for sure. It's better to put trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Even the most able people that we see in this world, and we might think, if I can only get attached to them, then I'll have some security. Now, let's put our trust in the Lord. Because we're told 
actually, uh, while we're here, um, chapter 3 first. Now, that's what I wanted. Chapter 3 and verse, uh, we'll start in verse um, uh, 19. We're going to read through to verse 26. It tells us that the Lord, by wisdom, he founded the earth. And by understanding, he established the heavens. And whatever that looks like in practice, I don't know. It could be to do with the, the physical heavens that we see around about. But, of course, he's in the heavens of heavens. And by his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down with dew. It says, My son, let them not depart from thine eyes. And we're talking about the wisdom and understanding of God and so on. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. And so shall thy life, uh, they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shall they walk in their way safely and your foot will not stumble. If you do those things, you will walk safely. You won't stumble. And when you lie down, you should not be afraid. That's not the portion for so many people in this world. It might have been for episodes in your life as well, where you've laid down and you're there only with your thoughts, and you've just been afraid. It says, yeah, you'll lie down, and your sleep shall be sweet. It says, be not afraid of sudden fear. I used that little phrase before about initial pangs of dread. Don't be afraid that sometimes that comes, because sometimes it does. Neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes. Now that's a certainty, desolation of the wicked is going to come, and we're going to see things that we're not going to like maybe the look of at the time. It says in verse 26, For the Lord shall be your confidence and will keep your foot from being taken. Now, it doesn't always feel like that, but these are still the promises. And we've got to be reminded, say, oh, well, that's still the promise. I still have to hold on to that. Let's have a look at uh, Luke 22. So we're told through the Scriptures, and an example would be in Hebrews chapter 3, that if we're made partakers of Christ, Sorry, we are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Now, the beginning of our confidence was the experience that we had with the Lord, where he kept his promises, he filled us with the Holy Spirit. That was when we were first able to truly be confident in the things of God. Now, the root word behind that, to hold the, our, our confidence, it is to hold our steadfast of mind, to hold our firmness, to hold our courage, to hold our resolution that come what may, this is what I'm going to do. To be resolved in that way, to have a firm trust and an assurance. Here we talk about uh, in, uh, in Luke 22, where Jesus is talking with his disciples and he's there talking about the confidence that he has in his father's plan. Of course, he wasn't confident about how well he was going to be treated. In fact, he was confident that he wasn't going to be treated very well. So let's have a bit of a read here and see what uh, what was talked about here. In Luke 22, and we'll start reading verse 29. And Jesus saying, And I appoint unto you a kingdom 
as my Father has appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. No matter what's going on in life, this is what the plan is. This is actually what the promise is. This is what, what Jesus' expectation is. This is his vision for his disciples and for all who would follow that we're going to eat with him in his kingdom. And sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, he said to them. And the Lord said unto, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, and this is of course Peter that he's talking to at the time, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. In other versions, it indicates, Peter, you are really going to get a difficult time along this pathway. It is actually going to happen that way. Verse 32, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Now, if the Saviour prays for you, and then we find that he was the one that was able to beat death, and he's prayed for you, he was then able to say to him, and when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Now, Peter turned around and he said, he had this sort of a little uh, uh, episode of confident statement here, and he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And he said, I tell you, Peter, the cocks will not crow this day before you shall thrice deny that they'll notice me. It's going to be a little difficult time, Peter, and you're going to have to actually understand that that will be the case. We'll just jump down to, uh, oh yeah, in verse uh, uh, 35, and he wanted him to be confident. He said to him, you know, when I sent you without purse and script and shoes, did you lack anything? And they said, nothing. And sometimes when a time of trial comes, that's what we have to do. We have to think, when this happened in our life and we turned it to the Lord, what ended up happening out of that? Oh, it came good. Oh, there was a victory. I've got to keep that in mind. And the Lord wants to remind us of all of those things. Let's jump down to verse 41. And when he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and he prayed, saying, Father, if you be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And it goes on, and then after that he was betrayed. You know, sometimes people feel a little bit, I guess, whether it was guilty in themselves or... Uh, disappointed in themselves and so on, that if they do have fears arise and they have maybe some doubts about their own abilities and so on. Jesus actually came and he showed himself that he truly was a man. He was of like passions as of us. And even knowing all of the promises, it didn't take away that he actually still went through the stress levels. None of us is able to dismiss for each other 
and say, oh, you're going through this. Oh, and there's a throwaway. Oh, it'll just be okay. It's all, it's all all right. We actually do have to care for each other, don't we? We actually have to have that empathy. We've got to be mindful that people are going, you know, sometimes going through things that are breaking their heart, they're stressing their mind, maybe paralyzing their activity. And we've got to be mindful. Jesus, for his disciples, knew what they were going to go through and he prayed for them. And I guess the example would be, if we're going to be like him, oh, well, for us to make sure that we pray for each other as we hear of those challenges that come in people's lives as well. Well, we know that Peter's confidence, for all the things that Jesus said, his confidence waxed and waned. It talks about in uh, in Galatians, whereas the challenge that came to him, and it was to do with the disciples, it was a little, little bit to do with Peter being a little bit double-minded, um, you know, de- dealing with the Jewish parts of the religion and dealing with the new Christianity that had come in and so on. It says at one point he withdrew himself. And what he did, it actually means to cower or shrink away. And he did that several times in his life. He became timid. And that can happen to us as well. And he wasn't willing to speak some things because of some of the fears that he actually felt. And he shrunk away from declaring things openly and maybe concealed a few things in himself depending on what company he was in. You know, when you read about all of these things in the Scriptures, we read, how real were these people? These people were just like you and me. But in the end, they overcame those things. They were corrected by the brethren. They were corrected by the Lord. And they were corrected because they were taught by the Holy Ghost. And let's have a look at just a couple of those things about uh, the Holy Ghost. In John chapter 14, you know, a couple of little quotes from some uh, various people. I mean, the things that hold us back, somebody wrote, it's not who you are that holds you back, but who you think you're not. If we think that we're a bit of a disappointment to the Lord, that'll hold us back. Who we are, the Scriptures tell us that we're the children of God. It says that we're the sons of God. It says it doesn't yet appear what it's going to be, but when he appears, we're going to be like him. But if we think that we're not like that, that'll hold us back. So we actually need to go back and have a look at the promises of God and find out, well, who does he say that I am? And Lord, help me to be just like that. Sometimes we have to actually sort of talk to people and, you know, we we have all these sort of things go through our head. Somebody said, uh, I'm not afraid. Sorry, I'm afraid to show you who I really am. And it might be that we're we're afraid to show the world who we really are. This person wrote, I'm afraid to show you who I really am because if I show you who I really am, you might not like it. But that's all I've got. And we can have that as well. We can withdraw back a little bit and say, oh, maybe I'll you know, live a little bit of a lie at times and, 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 that, and that type of thing. In John 14... Just uh, in in uh, uh, verse twenty six there, which but the Comforter, 
for all the confusions that we have, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. It says, Peace I leave with you, uh, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So the Lord wants to reassure us, wherever you're standing, you're never actually standing there um, alone. We're in Exodus, we go to Acts chapter 20. You know, the Apostle Paul, he went through the times of uh, where he had to examine himself and, uh, and and think about what was important to him and so on. You know, we read, we said before about there's particular words where we're, we're supposed to have a steadfastness of mind, we're supposed to be firm about our belief and so on, and we have to battle through to keep re-establishing that in ourselves, I guess to re-establish the foundation again and again, to make it, you know, firm it all up and so on. In Acts chapter 20, there's a couple of places here where... Uh, a, a particular word, I'm not sure exactly how it should be uh, pronounced, uh, it, it's sort of written in the English, hypostello, and I'm not even going to try to sort of do a checkpoint on that. But that word, when it's used, and just a little, little passage that we'll read here, it's actually used twice, and it's actually to do with being being un, being unwilling to utter because of fear or to shrink back from declaring. So we've talked a little bit about this. In Acts chapter 20, and this is what happened as a result of the Apostle Paul saying, from now on, I'm going to serve the Lord. This is where I am going to be in my life. I'm not going to do anything else. Yep, he feared being stoned, and he was stoned. He feared being whipped. And he was whipped. He feared what it would be like to be in prison, and he was placed in prison. And he went through all of those things. But the thing that overrode that in his life, that he was able to say, and it helped him, I haven't shunned it. In Acts chapter 20, in verse uh, 20, it talks, oh sorry, verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the uh, the lying in wait of the Jews, fears and temptations. It says, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and I've taught you publicly, and from house to house. And because he did that. He didn't have any shame before the Lord. And in verse 27 as well, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And then he goes on to say, Well, take heed therefore unto yourselves. He's talking to some of the leads, but he's talking to every single one of us. The Apostle Paul learnt through trial, what it meant to serve the Lord, and he did, and we're so glad that his lessons are passed on to us now. Let's finish off with just a couple of scriptures here. Hebrews chapter 10. There's a word for confidence, and it just means our frankness 
or our bluntness. Now sometimes we actually sort of try to stop being blunt towards people, although for some people that really gets and go, I love it when it's blunt. I love it when it's really straightforward. And that was actually the thing that really helped every single one of us, I think, when we were coming along, we were having all sorts of arguments and people were blunt. And people, well, you know, I've, I've related the story uh, before about where I was there praying for the Holy Spirit. I was up in the prayer room up there at the Vogue and Roy Watcho, who some people know, he was frank and he was blunt. And I was on my knees and praying and, and I didn't really understand everything at that time. And so I thought, well, I'll give it a shot and just sort of see what happens. And I got up there, we got down on our knees. said, oh, well, what are you after? Oh, well, I guess I need to receive the Holy Spirit. I'd been baptized a, bit, you know, a few weeks earlier than that. And we started to pray. And all of a sudden he says, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. What, what, what are you doing? And I thought, I thought we're praying that maybe I'll receive the Holy Spirit. And his response was, well, how long are you just going to poke at it with a stick? Now my thought was, I thought these people were supposed to be nice to you. But he actually gave me exactly what I needed in my life. I needed to know this wasn't actually about being nice. There was one time I came across a little phrase that was actually used in a magazine about something else, but the phrase was, when nice will not suffice. Nice does not convert people. People need knowledge of God, don't they? People need direction from God. People need to know, if you don't actually do it this way, you're not going to be in the kingdom of God. It's that important. When Jesus came and he said to his disciples, you go and preach this to the people, you tell them that he who believes and is baptized will be saved, and if they don't believe, they'll be damned. Let them know that directly. And this great little scripture, Hebrews chapter 10, sometimes I've I've read this to do with my confidence. It says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Now, we could read in that all the things I said before. Don't cast away your assurance. Don't cast away your trust. Don't cast away your belief, all those sorts of things. You know, believe the promises and all that sort of thing. But the word more literally Verse, oh, sorry, verse 35. Did I miss that again? Sorry, verse 35. So we can read it here now. Cast not away there for your frankness and bluntness. Don't cast away that you know this is what the gospel is. Don't cast away that you know and you have experienced this is how people get saved. We don't go soft on that. We're straightforward on it because it says, which has great recompense of reward. And we're told in 1 John chapter 2, little children, abide in him. It says, when he shall appear, we may have confidence. 
and not be ashamed before him at his coming. The Lord went through all sorts of terrors. He went through those pressures in this world where we'll have tribulation, but he has prayed for us. He's made promises. He says, bring your mind back to this is where you're going and be blunt about it. Amen.